Jeff, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, that was kind of a dry introduction. You got to give me like some kind of drum roll, like, oh my gosh, here's this whole history. And then, man, you're not a good hype man. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not. I'm a news guy. I'm doing news. This is boring. We're supposed to, you know, it's, it's, not, boring. it's <laughs> not boring. It's not boring. You are, you are doing a good job of making it. What was that word you just used? Boring? Yes. No, I'm, no, I, know, I'm I am just playing, kidding. but not really, but kind of. No. <laughs> Uh, it's got to be about fun, guys. Yeah, no, thanks for having me in. I mean, obviously, it is my station, so uh, whenever I want to be on, I'm like, hey, guys, you got to put me on. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what I took from you when I invited you on, is that my name is Jeff McMillan, and you're going to have me on your show. It's not that I asked you beforehand. It's that you forced me to have you here. So welcome, I, I not out of my rights, to have you on the show. <laughs> I will say the only, the only one being forced to be here right now is me, a three-day weekend. And you guys, I like, hey, you know, Good, good on you guys for being here. I think like what, it, one eighth of the town is left right now. At least the student mm -hmm. population. It is a ghost town, and you guys toughed it out to do the news. I'm, yeah. you know, one way last to go, show. fellas. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm leaving after this. I'll be heading to the west side. You know, enjoying some sunshine. What about you guys? What are your plans, Jeff, for the weekend? Um, well, now that I stayed here, um, <laughs> my my plan is to uh, go catch a movie with uh, Doug Fulp over at the Wellness Center, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll see. Uh, we're gonna go see Solo. Uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, together, so a duo is going to see a movie called Solo, so that could be fun. It's not a date. Um, it's it's not. It, oh, okay. It's not a mandate. It's just it's like it's like bro time. <laughs> yeah, I think bro is what time. we like to call it. Uh, and, and you know, and G A Gage will be uh, with us as well. You know, uh, Gage McHenry will be with us. And so, there's not much to do. You know, I mean, uh, Sasquatch is in town, so you don't want to head out that way because you'll be caught in traffic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we got a we got a bunch of our team over there doing uh, photography and writing stories for Sasquatch. So that's really neat for us. Um, yeah, no, I really, my, my weekend is going to be cleaning my house and weeding. There you go. Wow. Wow. My life is Lots really taking a turn for, <laughs> for the worst from my exciting beginnings. <laughs> yes. I saw the Facebook live of Sarah Taylor at Sasquatch. It seems like fun. I wish I was there. Thanks for the tickets, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I will send you some exciting news event. I don't know what exciting news events are. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Jeez. Okay. Let's get into it. Jeff, can you give us a quick backstory on your past? I heard you were a wrestler, pro wrestler, all that stuff broke your shoulder. Lots of interesting details. I broke my shoulder because your shoulders get broke. That's that's what happens. Yes. Um, no, you know, we I did the T at three on Wednesday, and it's a it's a great thing that CLCE puts on uh, down on the Cirque Pit. It's an opportunity for uh, people from different walks and backgrounds that are on the university campus to kind of share their story. And it was great for Andre and his team uh, to reach out to me. Uh, we there were a lot of people that came out to that one. I was really surprised. I guess. You know, uh, for me, it's the story of a, of a guy who was born with a birth defect um, and wasn't supposed to live past the age of seven. Um, and then when I did, after numerous surgeries, I was actually a test subject uh, that pretty much developed the way that you handle uh, diaphragmatic depressed hernias and hernias in general when I was a little kid. Um, and it was, you know, my mom did a ton of support for me. Uh, my parents divorced over the stress of the surgery uh, because my parents weren't from the States. So I ended up being stuck in the States at Dornbecker Children's Hospital in Portland, Oregon for a long time, I, about two and a half, three years um, on and off in and out of there. And obviously covered with scars as they, as they tried to fix the, the genetic defect. It was essentially my intestines moved through my body and went up into my lungs and then wrapped around my heart. And it wanted to get to that beating thing. Um, you know, and then as I, as I grew up, I, 
I was never supposed to do contact sports. And as a little kid, I just wanted to live the life of a normal kid. And my mom let me start doing freestyle wrestling at the age of, I think, seven or eight. I mean, I think I was eight years old when I went to my first large tournament. And I grew faster than everybody else because I came from a family of large men. My grandfather's six foot 11. My, uh, my dad's six five, and he's the smallest one. My Uncle Jimmy's six seven, six eight. So I was the run of the litter. I'm 5'10", but mm-hmm. by fifth grade, I was 5'10", 145 pounds. And so I grew real quick, uh, real fast, and I loved wrestling. And, and it was kind of hard to catch up to my body and my awkwardness because, you know, when you grow that fast at a young age, um, you know, you, you kind of look like Bambi when you're running around. But wrestling, <laughs> wrestling was, always, was always something I liked. And then I can remember, uh, I can remember watching pro wrestling. And that was, that was where actual wrestling started all for me. I watched Randy Macho Man Savage wrestle a guy called The Genius, who happened to be his brother. Uh, and I just thought, this is great. This is what I want to do, Mom. I want to do wrestling. My mom had no idea that I had seen WW, it was WWF at the time. Uh, and she's like, yeah, we'll take you out. So they took me to the local high school. And I can remember, you know, I worked with them a little bit. And they're like, okay, here's your first little match against a kid. And all the parents were there. And the kid went to went to lock up with me. And I just remember grabbing him and putting him in a sleeper hold. They're like, what are you doing? I was like, this is the move that Brutus Beefcake uses. And they're like, oh, man, it's going to be bad. <laughs> Long story short with that one, I figured out how to actually wrestle and, uh, and became quite good at it. Uh, throughout until I was about probably uh, the beginning of high school um, is when I stopped wrestling. Um, and for me, it was because I had my surgeries actually uh, acted up again. I took a hit in football um, and ended up having to go back in for surgery. And at that exact same time, they'd kind of found out that I was illiterate because I was such a good athlete. They had just pushed me through everything. And mm-hmm. so they thought, oh, well, he's going to be six foot five like his dad. He's going to be, you know, 230 pounds like his dad. He's going to be fine. Like mm-hmm. he'll, be, he'll be fine yeah. uh, in the real world. And so I couldn't read. Like it's not like, oh, I could read a little bit. I mean, I could not sound out words. I could not put words together. I was illiterate at 15 years old. That's, that blows my mind. And there's, and there's a lot of people like that. Um, and then to think that. I went to a hospital for a surgery and I was there for nine months, had to, had to go through some rehabilitation and some stuff. Um, and the nurses there took the time to bring me Sports Illustrated and they would sit down with me for an hour, each of them, all day long and teach me how to read. They took the TV out of my room and they said, no TV for you. You get to sit and read these magazines. And you know, I'd ask them questions about how to send out words. And by the time I went back into school, nine months later, I was reading, not an amazing level, but I was reading really well. Um, I did different things to get comprehension up. And by the time I finished high school, I had a full music scholarship to, uh, to Washington State University. And I went to Washington State for an incredibly short time. Uh, it was overwhelming. Uh, it was stepping out of Vancouver, Washington and being you know five hours plus away from my family. And I just wasn't ready for it. Not because I missed my family, but I wasn't... And I think a lot of students, you know, when they come early to college, uh, maybe they didn't have the right structure. I mean, I, first time I washed my clothes, I was mm-hmm. like my second week at the dorms at Washington State. Um, you know, it was the first time on your own and some people can't handle it. And I came home for Christmas break and I said, I, I can remember sitting my mom down. I'm like, I don't want to go to college anymore. And she goes, well, you know, just keep tough it out because, you know, college education is something that you can, you know, you can never 
you can never uh, make up for. And I said, mm -hmm. well, gosh, I really want to do college. And I talked to my dad and my dad said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to be a pro wrestler. So I'm 19 years old. And I told my dad I want to be a pro wrestler, and he laughs. And he goes, if you really want to drop out of school and do that, he goes, you have to get a full-time job. Um, and so I started working for Gap. I think I started yeah. working at Old Navy uh, <laughs> over Christmas, selling fleece and denim. Yeah. And, I, and my dad said, uh, you can, if you can work 40 hours a week, every week, um, and you can find somebody to teach you wrestling that I've heard of. And my dad didn't watch a lot of wrestling. And so that was going to be a hard task. And so I knew there was only one guy in my area that could do it. And so I, I called around, did all the research I could. And in a five-day time, I found Rowdy Roddy Piper's phone number and called him up at his house. Um, and, I mean, that's a, that's a Hall of Famer. That's one of the biggest names ever. Uh, WrestleMania won against Hulk Hogan. Um, and so I give him a call, and I tell him what I want to do. And he puts me in touch with a guy uh, named Bruiser Brian Cox. Um, and they put me into the Straight Blast Gym, which is their wrestling school. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to pursue my dream. And it was a tough one because I'm five foot ten at that time, probably 165, 170 pounds. Mm -hmm. And the guys in that wrestling school are all 260 or bigger. Bruiser Bryan's a, a guy that's six four, six five, three thirty, and he just he, he learned uh, strong style, a Japanese style of uh, of teaching wrestling, and it's stiff and you're getting beat up by big guys and you're bumping around. And, and I did that for six years of my life until, um, until I broke my back in a match in Canada, um, spinal concussion, which injured my back severely. And, and that's when I kind of realized at 26 years old, you know, I'd been, I, I was working, I was working for Foot Locker. Uh, you know, I was, a, I was a manager at a Foot Locker and then on the weekends I would drive to Canada or I would, I would take a week off and go to Tijuana, Mexico, or I would wrestle in Cal, uh, California or we'd go back east for a couple weeks. And, you know, you, as an as a, as a independent pro wrestler in the early 2000s, you didn't make a ton of money. I mean, it, I, was, I had shows in, my, in the beginning where I, was, where I was lucky if I got 25 bucks a show. Um, you know, my biggest bookings were maybe 800 bucks a night. And I mean, that's great. I mean, I, like you're thinking, oh man, 800 bucks a night, but I'm wrestling in, you know, I'm wrestling in Calgary or I'm wrestling in Edmonton and you're, you're driving up there with four guys. And between the, between the four of you guys, you guys are splitting hotel rooms and gas and, and it, it's just what we did. And, and, you know, you thought eventually, eventually it's going to happen. Eventually you're going to get your WWE and you're going to be there. And I had, I had two tr two different tryouts with WWE. Mm -hmm. uh, they're called dark matches back in the day. They would have you wrestle at shows, and I just wasn't big enough. And so at 26, when I injured my back, I said, gosh, I can't do this. But uh, I went in, gave it a try again, and the first time I bumped, everything kind of went numb again, and I knew that I wouldn't be able to wrestle again. And so then I had to figure out what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to work those kind of jobs anymore. I didn't want to work like retail and and you kind of get depressed because you're not doing the things you want to do. Is because I wanted to be a wrestler. I wanted to be in front of people. I wanted to entertain, and I wanted to have all eyes on me at all times. And uh, it, and it's hard to find that rush again. And so, I worked construction with my dad for a, for a while. I was a union pipe fitter, and I loved that. Like my, I loved it, but my back caught up with me, slinging heavy pipe all the time, and uh, it, it just kind of that wear and tear. I only lasted a few years before before here I am trying to deal with back issues all the time. And one day the union came to me and they said, your back can't hold up on this. Uh, we want to send you back to school. 
And at 32, I came back to central Washington and or came back. I came to central Washington for the first time and I could have gone to Portland State. I could have gone to other places. I came out here um, because it was far enough away that I felt like I was still close enough to my family, but I felt like um, it was a fresh enough start. And it's a small campus and it was a great price. And there was a lot of different opportunities here. And and for me, it was, do you want to go be a small fish in a big pond of like Portland State, Oregon State? Um, you know, I could have gone to UW. I could have done a lot. I, I, I was surprisingly, uh, that time of growing up helped me kind of focus a whole lot, a whole lot more on what I was trying to do and figuring out life and figuring out school. Uh, but I decided to come to Central. Um, came here to do a degree in economics. Um, within about a year, uh, I got a bug where I was like, man, I want to do sports media. And so I went into the comm department. I graduated with two degrees out of the comm department. And uh, I'm also really close to uh, a third degree if I wanted to in film and video studies. So I have a public relations degree, a degree in digital journalism, and I'm 12 practicum credits away from uh, film and video studies. And, you know, I love my time here and, and the comm department was really fun and they afforded me a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, teachers that are all, that are still here, Cesar Garcia, uh, Terry Redout, uh, John Ward, um, Toby Staub. Uh, these are all people that, that took time, uh, with me to teach me little things to kind of give me a reality check too. And then, and then one day I stumble into a radio station, uh, this one and, it's kind of all, it kind of all went really fast from there. Within six months, uh, the former general manager, Travis Box said, said, we want you to take over and kind of revitalize our sports department. Um, within six months of that, we're calling Central Washington football games. And I took over for Rob Lowry, uh, uh, someone I would say is not just a mentor, but a good friend of mine and, and working with Dave Haverlow, a CW Hall of Famer, who is who is definitely a good friend um, of mine. And these guys kind of took me under their wing and they allowed guys like myself, Gage McHenry, Soma Lambert, uh, Peyton Barrons, the opportunity to kind of live our dreams. Uh, you know, Dennis Francois opened the doors and let us call basketball and football. And now you have guys that are getting out of here that have three years of play-by-play and color commentary experience that can put that on their resume when they go into places and potentially you know, step into an opportunity. I mean, to say you have three years of Division Two play-by-play experience is amazing for guys like Peyton and Soma Engage if they wanted to pursue that. And mm-hmm. and now here we are. They two years ago, Travis uh, left to go to Portland and work in uh, in the radio industry in Portland, Oregon. And here we are. Uh, I stepped in as the interim, and now two years later, almost two years on July 18th, um, 88 won the Berg. Will I will be the general manager here for two years and. I think we've been incredibly successful. I mean, uh, the last four years, this has been one of the top programs in the nation, uh, awarded by the intercollegiate broadcast system. Um, you know, multiple nominations every year, about 10 to 11 nominations for the last uh, four years. And then we finished in the top five of best radio stations in the nation. And now it's becoming this, it's becoming this radio program that is putting people out in the professional world. Lots of pro- professionals. Jackson Sager's out there working with Lars Larson. Uh, Sophia Ferguson just finished up with NFL Films. Uh, Tanner Chambers is working with Fitz in the Morning. Uh, we have piles of members that are working for the Hubbard uh, Radio Group in Seattle at Moving 92.5, Country 98.9. I mean, 
this this became the feeder to Seattle radio. Mm -hmm. So what makes it so successful? What is your philosophy when managing this station? Uh, flat out, my philosophy is, is completely different than anybody else's on this campus. Um, my philosophy is this radio station, you hear, oh, it's a student-run radio station. No, it is a, this place is run by professionals and led by students. We give the students the tools and the students go from there. I try and stay out of the way as much as I can. Um, and and we start following what are real world standards. You you hold you hold everyone to a real world standard. You don't just you don't just let uh, you know your music just be picked randomly. There's actually a rhyme and a reason why you hear X amount of songs, and you teach mm -hmm. that to the student, and you let the student understand it, and then you step away and you put your hands up and you let you let uh, Rachel Davy and you let Sarah Taylor uh, build what is the signal that you hear right now? And they talk with the students that are on air. You step out of the way and you, you don't interfere with how the news is done because your guys' version of news is completely different than a version of news that I would do. And you talk about the diff different things. I mean, mm -hmm. this would just be wrestling all the time. <laughs> Welcome to two hours of sports. That's, that's what it would be if I was on. And, and you let students make the mistakes and then you go battle for, for different things like freedom of speech. Like there's, there's a lot that happens, you know, with community and with, you know, staffing where, where maybe there's different content that, that people don't think that should be discussed, but you guys have to report these things. You guys have to go out on a limb. You guys have to try and become journalists. And, and also, I mean, it's terrible to say, but entertainers. I mean, the podcasts that we do are entertainment information based and mm -hmm. you have you have yours, the real news podcast, where, where you guys are basically setting yourself up for where you want to go in the future, and you're building a base. You're mm -hmm. trying to not just be because radio isn't journalism. Like yes, there's journalistic parts to it, mm -hmm. but radio is entertainment. You mm -hmm. guys are learning the technical end of what we do, and then you are learning to become that character behind the mic. Because if if I sounded like this all the time, nobody would love me. But when, I, <laughs> when I'm out there and I'm like, you know, it's GM Jeff on the mic. It's 88 won the Berg. We're bringing you the hottest music. You know, it's, it is finding what you are. And this is a great place for that learn, do, live that Central talks about. And the philosophy is, you know, hands off as much as you can and try to. One of, one of my biggest things is when questions get asked of me, I just ask a question back. You know, hey, what should we do here? Well, I don't know. What do you think we should do here? Well, I think we should do this. Well, gosh, I think you should do that. And, and because I, I, I don't want to spoon feed the content. Like my, my 88 won the Berg was four years ago. And that's where I was a student. And that's where we put the content out. Now it's your 88 won the Berg. It's mm -hmm. your music central. It's their music central too. But it's finding, you know, take your hands off the wheel and let everybody kind of grow as they want and when when they fall and scrape their knee let them scrape their knee and then you pick them up and you make sure you show them what they did wrong and then you take your hands off the wheel and let it go again mm -hmm. how did professional wrestling help shape the career uh you're having right now at 88 won the bird uh 100 entertainment uh i love i loved attention and you have to understand the theatrics and there was probably nobody better than travis box in the position for when i walked in here when he was the general manager and 
I mean, he saw something and he, and he, he just kind of felt something along the way. And he's all, well, and I told him about my wrestling past. He goes, it makes so much sense because wrestling, you have to play to the back seats. You have to play to the guys in the back rows. You're, you're playing to the cheap seats, as they say. And so everything you do is bigger. When, you, when I get on, it, I, can, I can walk in here with zero prep and I can cut a promo that anyone needs. I can, I can talk about anything you need. You give me the topic, you give me the ticket giveaway, you give me uh, something going on, and I can, without thinking, click. And that's what it was. A promo class, we cut so many promos. And that just kind of became the entertainment side. And that's where, that's where when you, with our younger DJs, uh, you know, this new crop, you're, you're starting to hear the character come out. You're starting to see it go, you know, start rolling. But last year, I mean, character was through the roof. I mean, this place was a caricature of itself and, and everyone in here. And that was the great thing is you become bigger and better than what you think you would be. Uh, so piggybacking off of that a little bit, uh, do you think that there's one sort of uh, life lesson that, that you, you hold close to your heart that was taught to you by your years in, uh, in, in wrestling? Uh, I would think that the, the one that my life learn from wrestling it's uh it's that you should always follow your dream and i think that kind of comes to my parents because because my mom and dad let me follow my dream they didn't you know they didn't uh say no 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 you need to go become an accountant uh you know i sometimes i go god i wish they just made me become an accountant but i wouldn't be where i am i wouldn't have learned the things that i learned i wouldn't have become what i became and i think kind of wrestling did the same thing for me is is I was around guys that I would have never been around and in a lifestyle that I would have never been around. And for me, it is, it is you, you kind of get in there and you, you take your hands off the wheel and you just let life go where it is and you don't stifle anybody else's. You just let them be creative. You let them do what they have to do because that's where they're going to learn. So last question before you, for you before we get into our other interviews. Why is the top 40 format so successful? Because I've come in here and that's all I've known is that 881 is top 40. And that seems to make a lot more money than the other formats and students seem to like it. So why do you enjoy it and why have we implemented that? Well, okay, so, so let's, let's do professional radio one-on-one in the quickest way we can. Uh, at the center of all radio, uh, I hope I don't ruin radio for anyone, but at the center of all radio, they're trying to sell you something. That is professional radio. Um, it is a it is selling, and so they put commercials around that circle. It's it's like an onion, as Shrek said. Uh, you know, there's layers to the onion, and in the middle there is selling, and around that is the commercial, and around that you hide it with music and DJs and ticket giveaways, and and it's not even about being successful with the top forty format. You look around and you have to. Like we said, we treat this as a professional radio station, even though we are a college radio station and a non-commercial radio station. You want the students to be ready for when they step out the door to understand what's going on out there in the real world. So in the real world, you'll step out of here and you will understand why the business is what it is. You'll understand. Uh, you'll look around and you'll go. KXLE right down the road. Do you want to go country to country with KXLE, the legacy station? And those guys over there, no, they're amazing at what they do. And they have, a, uh, you know, they, have, they have their niche in the market, cornered, blocked out. It's theirs. So what else do you have? You have up north coming out of Wenatchee, you have uh, the classic rock station, the Quake. Um, and the Quake comes in with the classic rock. That targets a, a certain demographic. Mm -hmm. Everybody's targeting a demographic. So KFFM, when you come over that hill, it's a little fuzzy. And KFFM has 
a more a more male centric feel to how they were last year, especially like their design of sound had a little more hip hop had a little more bass. And so where 88 won the Berg saw the opportunity to come in was to say, we can serve uh, the needs of the students because we know that students inherently listen to more top 40. We know that, uh, we know that central Washington university and from our surveys, we know that more females listen to 88 won the Berg. And so more women listen. So you target to what they're listening to. So now you hear top 40 without as much bass, without as much hip hop. You know, you don't want to be vulgar and offensive. You hear more women's voices. This is all picked by students, too. This is Sarah Taylor and uh, Rachel Davey. They sat down and they wanted a women's voice for the station. And they knew there was nothing like it in the area. And that's kind of what's taken off for us. Uh, that's why we have sponsors coming like never before. We have, you know, and we're working with so many different groups. And it's amazing. I think one of the things that that the top 40 format, as we call it, we call it top 40, but really we're doing, we're doing something different than what move in 92.5 on the West side is doing. We're actually ahead of the curve. We're playing stuff that they aren't playing for another two months. And we're willing to take a chance on that because most of the students are already listening to her. I mean, we have, we're playing country on a top 40 station. We have eight country songs in our 120 song main rotation. Um, why that doesn't sound like a lot where they sit in the clock is, is really powerful. And so you, you pick a feeling and you pick your demographic and you say the things you want to do. And what it is right now is it's sunny outside. When they think of their target audience, it's students in their Jeeps. It's people in the town in their Jeeps with their tops off and you know, the sun and the wind blowing through your hairs and they want to put songs out there that make you feel good and enjoy getting outside. And that's what has been successful for us this year. Mm -hmm. And so far it's worked. Well, thank you, Jeff, for coming on. I appreciate your philosophy. I'm sure everyone who works here does too. And the students, they love the format. Talking to everyone, they really enjoy 88.1. And yeah, so far it's been really good. Gosh, he's, he's a, do I have to give you like 10 bucks? Is that what happens here? And yeah, I feel like, 